0: You are looking live at chicken dinner. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. I think I'll take two chickens. One riverboat gambling trip. You're going to die for some chickens. Hey, what's your chicken dinner? Someone is. It was feathers yesterday. There was no chicken. What you got riding on this game? My daughter. <laughs> what a gambler. It's chicken dinner. Hey, guys we got a bet here. Here's your host, Sam Panionovich. It's called Winner Winner Chicken Dinner right there, boys. <laughs> Let's get this thing going. Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. How about that? Uh, away we go. Chicken dinner Saturday, January 14th, 2023. Follow on Twitter at Chicken X Dinner. DMs always open for you. Smash that button so you get this mother clucker once it goes live. We will talk to Eric Eager, Sumer Sports, VP of Research and Development. You know Eric. He's been on this program. He does a lot of analytics in the football space. And we will discuss some sweet teaser opportunities for Wild Card Weekend. How do you quantify Tom Brady's value to the betting line and why rolling over the Cincinnati money lines gets you more bread than betting on the futures? I truly believe that most people love a good wager. I've said that for years. It's why I started this podcast. Americans love a good sweat. They love being up against something, whether you're scuffling at home and you might be late to work, you're rushing against the clock. You speed home on the highway. You're going 15 miles an hour over. You know you could get a ticket, but you want to get home. Running a red light. Whatever. People are naturally competitive, and most of us love a good sweat. Which brings me to Johnny from U-Haul out here in Somerville, just north of Boston. As everybody knows, I'm not from Boston. My entire life I spent in Chicago with a, a detour in Vegas back to Chicago, and moving out to Boston was the first time I pretty much packed up my whole life. Well, the thing is, I didn't move everything from Chicago. I had a storage unit in Bronzeville, like 26th then King Drive, and I didn't want to move everything out here because I didn't know how long I was going to be here. Signed so a two-year contract at Nessun, which, again, I've signed another contract, so I'm, I'm going to be here for a while. So I decided finally... When I'm back home for Christmas, I'm going to unpack that unit and get everything sent out here. It's time. All my pictures, all my stuff from childhood, everything that I own was in this storage unit. I said, all right, well, what can I do? And U-Haul has a very cool option. It's called a U-Box. It was actually pretty inexpensive, too. It was like $1,300 for me to put everything in this 5x5x10 box. I lock it up, and they bring it out. They drive it across the country and unload it at my house. A couple days before drop-off, I get the phone call from U-Haul. They were very over-the-top with the communication. You always get an email after the conversation. They're always sending you text messages. It was a little much. I liked it, though, because they were very upfront with what was going to happen. So after we set up the drop-off point, what part of the house, all that jazz... I was ready to go, and they dropped it off on a Friday. Cool. I had until Monday to get this thing cleaned out, and they were going to pick it back up. I was told by several people at U-Haul, I think three people, one via email, two over the phone, we will pick up this box on Monday. Cool. Let's do it. Monday rolls around. I get three missed calls from U-Haul in Somerville, and one of them is a voicemail, so I listen to it, and it was kind of muzzled. The guy was talking really fast. I was like, let me just call this guy back. So I call him back and I say, hey, this is Sam returning a call for Johnny. Yeah, this is Johnny. What's up, man? You called me three times. Yeah, we're just wondering when we're going to get our U-Box back. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah, your name is on this shot. It's, it's lined in red and we don't have our box. So if we don't get the box back, we're going to have to charge you. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, we were supposed to get the box back today. I'm like, I understand that, but I'm not bringing the box back because I don't have the means to bring the box back. I don't have a truck. I don't have a hitch, and I didn't pick the box up to begin with. He then says, well, how did the box get there? I said, you guys dropped it off. No, we didn't. (laughs) What? So now I feel like I'm just getting punked. He said, we don't drop off boxes. How did it fucking get there then, Johnny from Somerville U-Haul? Well, we don't do, nobody at this store drops off U-Boxes. All right, dude, you got me fucked up. How did the box get here? Must have been a third party. Oh my God. Somebody from U-Haul dropped it off. I shook their hand on Friday and gave them a $50 bill. Can't be. I bet you $100 that wasn't us. At which point, I'm like, let me talk to your manager, Mr. I'll bet you $100. What are we doing here? So then the manager wasn't there, and he says, well, I'll tell you what. We need to get our box back. Yeah, I, you need the box back. I understand. I call the number that called me on Sunday and say, hey, I have this kid at U-Haul telling me that you guys didn't drop the box off on Friday, and now I have to bring the box that I can't bring back today or I'm going to be in trouble. And he said, that isn't right. We dropped it off Friday. We're picking it up today. I said, well, can you tell this punk that, that that's what happened? He said, yeah, I can make a call and figure this out. I don't know why somebody called you and said we need our box back. He said, you want me to start a complaint? I said, no, I'll take care of it. So after I got confirmation again that I don't have to drop off the box, I call back, ask for Johnny. Johnny answers the phone. Fu- I, I know it's Johnny. He sees my number on the caller ID. Hey, this is Mike from U-Haul. I'm like, hey, Johnny, Mike, what's up? What? I said, yeah, I know who you are. You just called me and bet me 100 bucks that this box – Wasn't going to get picked up because U-Haul doesn't pick up boxes. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. So he played dumb. I go, you're lucky I'm not going to collect this money, and you're lucky I'm not going to file a complaint. But thank you for calling me three times and basically saying, we better get our box back. Point is, I'll bet you $100. Everybody loves good wager. All right, let me blow through this. Uh, Imagine losing $2 million on the Colts last weekend. Oh, my. Goodness. Circa Survivor, there were three entries left. Six million on the line. The entry named Browna went Jacksonville. Jed went Seattle. The enemy within went Colts. (laughs) Come on. It's the right move. You are going against a Houston Texans team that is literally not trying to win as an organization. They are so close to the number one overall pick, they can taste it. And it's fascinating because I remember thinking this, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Because the Texans had started to look a little feisty. They were were in some games down the stretch. And then on New Year's Day, both of the quarterbacks, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, went bananas. They played exceptionally well, lit up the scoreboards, solidifying the likelihood that it's going to be a quarterback number one in the draft. So after that happened New Year's Eve, Alabama and, and Ohio State both had really good games offensively. The Texans go out the next day and lose by four touchdowns. It was almost like somebody made the call down to the office, like, hey, uh, pst, remember what's at stake here. We uh, We'd like that number one pick. So the enemy within picks Colts, And again, they just have to win this game. They were a, what, two, two two-and-a-half-point favorite. And things were looking good late in that game. It was 4th and 20. With a minute left to go, Houston is down a score. On 4th and 20, again, you get a stop. The game is over. The Colts win. Davis Mills throws a pass down the middle of the field. 28-yard touchdown. Jordan Akins, the tight end. So it's 31-30 Indianapolis. You have $2 million on this. Well, they're going to kick the extra point and go into overtime, and then you sweat it out there. Shouldn't be a sweat, though. Like, you should not be sweating out a game against the two 13-1 Houston Texans who are one game away from locking in the first pick in the NFL draft. Well, Levy Smith didn't care. Lovey Smith's trying to win this game. He knows he's getting fired, so he's going to upper deck the toilet on the way out. Not only do they convert on fourth and 20 with a touchdown, Lovey decides to go for two. <laughs> they go for two. Oh, we're going to win this game. They get it, and they win the game 32 31. And this poor team I'm assuming it's a team of a couple guys or maybe it's one guy whatever maybe it's a girl I don't know to have the Colts for a share of six million dollars if the Colts win those three entries split it in thirds two million two million two million Texans had other ideas the fourth and 20 touchdown pass the two point conversion 32 31 and you lose two million dollars Holy cow. How do you recover from that? Ugh. All right, wild card weekend. I'm going to zip through these. Uh, we'll talk more about Cincinnati and, and the rollover stuff with Eric Eager. But I do love the under in the Saturday games. Seattle-San Francisco. Peep the weather. It'll be wet, windy, 20-mile-an-hour winds around kickoff. That's far from ideal explosive pass plays and I do expect Brock Purdy and Geno Smith to work off mostly conservative game plans it's no secret Pete Carroll loves to run the ball and he's likely going to throw Kenneth Walker into the fold 30 times just turn and hand the ball off and if Seattle can churn butter on the ground successfully it'll melt that clock and keep that versatile Niners offense on the sidelines I also think at some point pressure will be a factor for Brock Purdy He's blown through the end of the regular season like a vet, but it's different here. Now he has to carry the weight of a team that has Super Bowl potential through the playoffs. And these games, you know, it's hard to slow these games down when you're a young player in the league. San Francisco's defense, by the way, is the star of the show. That group is also getting healthy at the right time. Linebacker Dre Greenlaw, defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw, they were both full participants at practice on Thursday. Great news for a unit that already ranked number one in DVOA at Football Outsiders. This is going to be a sloppy, wet, windy, rainy, moist football game. Low and slow, like a crockpot, eight hours, and then come back to it. 10-7 at half, 10-3 at half. I don't love this point spread. You know, I was leaning Seattle 10, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Seattle's not that good. And San Francisco, even with Purdy, could win this game by double digits. So I like the first half under, 20 and a half. And the full game under, you can find 42 pretty much everywhere. I feel like it's a 23-10 to 10 final. And if that's the case, I get the wiggle room on a backdoor touchdown, 23-17. It's still under 42. So I'm betting against offense. I'm betting against these quarterbacks, throwing the ball with precision and accuracy, and essentially gale force wins. Run the ball, play good defense, get out of there. That's San Francisco's MO today. So I like the under, first half and full game. Tomorrow. The Giants made us a lot of money this year, and I, I'm still getting text messages and DMs about us hitting that win total over seven, and the Giants to make the playoffs. That's all fine and dandy, but sometimes you got to know when to flip. New York, 13-4 and ATS, best cover team against the spread, and they flew way over the win total. But you know what? Minnesota is sort of getting the short end here. All they did was win 13 of 17 games, and yet most better still think they're phonies. It's a complex conversation. Are the Vikings good enough to win a Super Bowl? Probably not. But can they beat Daniel Jones in an average Giants offense in the Death Star? Yeah, probably. They already did this year. Remember, these two teams met in late December. And the Vikings closed minus four and a half. So now it's only three? Question mark. You can buy even lower on a team that nobody respects. To basically win at home, I'm sorry, New York. It was a fun run, but I'm going to take a different girl to the dance now. I'm taking purple, minus three. You can get even money too, minus three plus 100. How are they going to stop Justin Jefferson? Last game, by the way, Jefferson, 16 targets, 12 catches, 133 yards, a touchdown, and a partridge in a pear tree. If Minnesota gets ahead, I have a feeling New York is going to struggle. So I like the Vikings, goodbye. I wouldn't lay four, four and a half, but will I lay three? Yes, the importance of the number. Again, I don't think the over-adjustment is worth it. How do you go from four and a half to three? And remember, in that game, Minnesota was basically in control of that entire game. So I'm going to lay the three. It is what it is. It's done. And on Monday, I am drinking the Kool-Aid on Tom Brady. Las Vegas bookmakers open Dallas minus three on the road. Most shops down to two and a half. Pretty much right away, bang, professional money entered the market on the bucks. I think that sort of continues for the weekend too. Now, I don't know that it gets to Dallas one, Dallas one and a half by kickoff, but I expect it to be two. I think that Brady money is going to come in day of the game. Also, fading Mike McCarthy is so much fun. But most importantly, it's Brady's ability to rise above pressure in the playoffs And for Brady to get the ball out quick. That is how you defeat the Cowboy pass rush. Quick, precision throws. Play fast. Get it out fast. They're probably going to throw it 40, 45 times. I'm looking at Brady's uh, attempts prop. 42 and a half right now. (laughs) So the books are aware that they're going to chuck and duck it. He's going to dink and dunk. He's not going to take a lot of sacks. The O-line isn't as bad as it was early in the season. And I think the good thing about Tampa, it sounds weird to say this, but playing through their flaws will benefit them now because they've addressed this stuff. They didn't ignore their issues. They sort of honed in on what was going wrong, and they've tried to fix things. And it's no surprise that Brady cares more about the playoffs than the regular season. I've talked to some of his former teammates that played with him in New England. He's just a different animal in the postseason. That room is fired up and ready to go. And I can get two and a half points with the greatest quarterback of all time? Yes, I'm interested. Uh, Two more quick things. I love playing this game. When the playoff bracket is out there, who would you bet right now for the Super Bowl? And from an odds perspective, I'm going to go a little bit down the board in the AFC. Most people are going to pick Buffalo, Buffalo or Kansas City, and those two teams certainly make sense. They're the biggest favorites and the highest power-rated teams. But I refuse to discount a white-hot Cincinnati squad that's won eight straight and has its own generational quarterback in Joe Burrow. This kid is just different. Down the stretch, LSU, monster. Down the stretch, last year, Super Bowl run, monster. Big stage, he elevates. And I think the Bengals are a very interesting Super Bowl bet at 9 to one. On the other side, I like San Francisco. Their defense is mean. Oh, are they tough to run on. Oh, are they tough to throw on. And their offensive versatility, with Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, I think Jimmy G eventually will return. But I'm betting on that defense and that running game and their schematics offensively with Kyle Shanahan. I think they're the most complete team in the NFC. So I do like Cincinnati. I do like San Francisco. And you can find if you want to do the exact Super Bowl matchup. Again, you pick who you want. I'm just telling you who I like. I'm going to actually make the drive after this show up to New Hampshire, 40 minutes there, 40 minutes back, and uh, put some money on the kiosk to bet Bengals Niners at 16 to 1. That's my move. What's yours? And remember when we talked about Ron DeSantis to win the 2024 election. Not getting political. We're talking about odds. This is not a political podcast. But I went back and listened to an episode of Chicken Dinner, June of 2021. I was reading off the presidential odds at Ladbrokes and was stunned that DeSantis was 12 to 1. I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. He's going to get hot. He's going to be the next darling in the GOP. In fact, I remember even asking you on Twitter if any of the followers that I had lived in the UK because I was ready to wire a dime across the ocean. 12 to 1? I knew that number was wrong and I knew it wouldn't last. That was June of 2021. Well, here we are. January 2023. Ladbrokes has DeSantis favored to win the election at 7 to 4. Son of a bitch. (laughs) Joining us again on Chicken Dinner, he's been on with us many times in the past. Eric Eager, new gig, VP of Research and Development at Sumer Sports. Welcome back, buddy. I don't think we have any WNBA to talk about, but we can't talk about Sumer. How's it going?
1: Things are going well. Uh, we, we just had—I just got back from Florida for our, our company offsite. It was really fun. It was a, uh, warm, which is nice. Uh, back in Cincinnati now, which it's not—you know—terrible here. Uh, you, Bengals playoff. Uh, atmosphere in the air, though, which is fun.
0: Are you pilfering any of the pro football focus guys yet?
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I feel bad, but I did. I did uh, <laughs> take one of my former interns, Tave Seth, who is a, uh, for my money, one of, if not the best, you know, uh, football analysts under 25. Uh, so so we did we did have one. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like if I take any more analysts, Chris will burn my house down.
0: Yeah, I'm picturing you and Collinsworth, like spy versus spy in a dark alley with pistols.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Chris is still quick for for being his age and uh, and, and having his experience. So, uh, yeah, I'm not. I mean, pro, uh, you know, love pro football. Focus really, uh, you know, is not the easiest thing to leave, and and certainly a lot of love a lot of people that are still there. So, um, but I, I like my new gig uh, very very much.
0: I wanted to get you on heading into the postseason. You know, I respect your NFL brain. You've been studying this league and working around this league for a long time. Let me just give you the dance floor. We've got. Two games Saturday, three games Sunday. The Monday nighter with Tom Brady against Dallas. What's the first thing that pops off the screen when you look at these games?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of teaser opportunity when I look at these games. You know, I, I think that, and, and it has been a season I know um, where you know I know you know for a fact that like you know there have been a lot of teaser uh, liability that has been you know lost essentially by folks. Um, you know Brady and the uh, you know the Bucks were you know Wong teased down to two and a half a few times the Packers as well and that that you know led to some calamity but um, I think there's some opportunity here obviously you look at the the Chargers getting two and a half now um, you know you could wait for a full three I don't know if you're going to get a full three so you know that teasing that up makes a lot of sense uh, the Giants you know right now are at a flat three if you look at Pinnacle um, but you know we we've seen you know, the market who loved Mike, Mike Zimmer's Vikings don't necessarily like Kevin O'Connell's Vikings. You could see that get down to two and a half and the Giants being a possibility there, although the total is fairly high. And then on Monday night, you have Tampa Bay at home. So, you know, getting two and a half. So, you know, the perfect, you know, two team teaser is, you know, two home teams up to eight and a half in in the Jags, and the Bucks. I am
0: fascinated by this Dallas Tampa line. You know, it's a very polarizing conversation to have because, the power ratings obviously have Dallas rated higher than Tampa. I was looking at Kenny White's numbers. He has Dallas above Philly in his ratings. I want to say he's got Dallas about 105 and Tampa at 99.5. So on a neutral, he's about 6 points. So you go into Tampa, all right, that's three and a half, four. 4. But then there's the Brady factor, and this guy is just fucking insane. In the clutch, under pressure, how do you quantify a guy like Brady who has so many Super Bowl rings and continuously rises above pressure? Like, how do you even quantify that game?
1: Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if home field advantage for Tampa is going to be that big. You know, right now in the NFL, it's about one point five. Uh, I know in playoffs, I believe generally a little bit higher. Um, but at the same time, you know, the thing with Brady is that. You know, he just overcomes so much with respect, uh, you know, to season long statistics like, you know, uh, people forever were, were you, know, you know, bagging on the New England Patriots, you know, fading uh, them, baiting them, baiting them. And Brady would win at a 55 percent clip for a decade. And, you know, you don't see that, for example, with guys like Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, I think the Chiefs are the worst team in the AFC against the spread this year. Um, you know his his brilliance is reflected in the numbers fairly fairly uh, explicitly. With Brady, it's just like you think about the 2018 team, you think about the 2020 Bucks, you think about uh, you know this particular team. Once they get behind and Brady goes into Hall of Fame mode, uh, it's fairly it's fairly easy for for me to see that he's still got it. It's just the question of is that coaching staff going to let him take control of the game uh, for long enough um, for the Bucks to sort of realize this? Because I could see both sides of this. I could see the Bucks. You know turning the keys over to Brady finally again for the first time since last season and and really you know curb stomping uh you know the the uh Dallas Cowboys, or I could see Dallas putting it all together even with the injuries that they have in the defense, uh, and winning this game handily. So it, it's a very interesting line, as you said.
0: We know that football games don't come down to one player, but there are times that games come down to one play, and the quarterback has the ball on, on every single play, so you know it's. It's obviously on a pedestal, the importance of the quarterback and a quarterback that stays calm, cool, collected. I was talking to a couple of Tom's former teammates out here in New England, and they said something very interesting. They just said he sort of goes through the motions in the regular season. And when it's playoff time, the whole room is ready. And I, it's not easy to flip that switch, but this guy has perennially done that and we went into that Bucks locker room, remember, after they won the Super Bowl, all those guys on defense were like, yo, Tom had us all ready. Tom was a different guy week of the game, first game of the playoffs, all through the playoffs. He's in the O meetings. He's in the D meetings. He's just a different guy in the playoffs, and I think there's a lot to be said about that.
1: Yeah, and, and you've seen this a little bit Um You've seen this before, like with you know, 2018, they lost to Jacksonville and Detroit in, in September. Um, 2014, they got blown out by the Chiefs, and, and also lost, I believe, to Miami in September. Um, you know, this year it took a little bit longer, but yeah, Brady's. You know, the, the Bucks. You know, the the Bucks are kind of doing what the Patriots do is sort of a finding out period, kind of a dealing with your flaws explicitly as opposed to hiding them. And that's and that's one of the reasons why you know you get to the AFC playoffs. And a team, you know, like, you know, you know in Andy Reid's Chiefs, when they had Alex Smith, they would get exposed because you spend the whole year fighting and clawing, you know, hiding your, your flaws to get to 12 and 4. And a team like New England's exposing their flaws and working through them to get to 12 and 4. And so the latter team is always going to be more equipped to win a playoff game uh, than, the, than the former one.
0: If you're coaching Tampa this weekend, how many times are you letting Brady throw the ball?
1: As much as he wants to. I, I just, if I see more than 10 combined carries from Fournette and, and uh, Rashad White when the game is, you know, within seven points, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scream if I'm a Bucks fan. Like, I, I just think that that, you know, we've seen that, we, we know it fails, uh, and we just can't do that this weekend.
0: Let's take a step back from Dallas, Tampa, look at the games in their entirety. Again, six games. From a total standpoint, is there anything too low? Anything too high, or are these sort of just right?
1: You know, totals have been interesting in the league this year. You know, the, you know because you ha- you saw so many unders early, um, yeah, and now you have games with great quarterbacks like Buffalo and like Cincinnati where there are low totals because the other quarterback isn't particularly good. Those are ones where I think in a playoff game you might see a bludgeoning similar to Bills. Uh, Patriots last year, where one team just covers the over themselves. Um, so I, you couldn't find me dead on the under in the Ravens-Bengals game or the Dolphins-Bills game. Um, the one that you know I, I look at and think that might be a little low is is New York-Minnesota. Neither one of those defenses is that good. I think Kirk Cousins is a guy who I've been very critical of in the past, but he's you know I think done a decent job in finding himself over the past you know couple. Uh, you know a little bit here and you are seeing like if you want to go over 48 and a half with 49 is a key number it's a cheap 103 on pinnacle for example so you know you do get some support there vikings over team total 23 and a half at minus 148 also feels like a good uh, bet um, as well so those are those are things that I like in this game um, that's the one total that I'm eyeing as a possible bet
0: yeah, still 48s on the board, 48 and a half at a lot of uh, offshore shops, but 49, as Eric just said, a very key number. So if you're looking over, you may want to pounce on those 48s out there. Minnesota's defense, man, they had a stretch from Thanksgiving through the new year carved up by these quarterbacks. Mac Jones, Mike White, <laughs> Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones. Not ideal, buddy.
1: <laughs> no, and, and, and they're a team that is very, like, what I would consider strong linked, like Harrison Smith's a great player. Eric Hendricks is a great player. Danelle Hunter and Zadarius Darius Smith have had great years, but the weaknesses in that defense are horrible. And I think the scheme does nothing to, to help them at all.
0: Let's look at the bracket now. AFC on the left, NFC on the right. If I were to say, Eric, give me your Super Bowl exact the box right now. Give me your two champions from the two conferences. Who would you say?
1: Yeah, I think it's Kansas City versus Philadelphia, um, and I know that you know that was my pick going into the season. Um, I think that you know Philadelphia is one of those teams where you know the last time they won a Super Bowl, they had a quarterback injury at the end of the year. They looked like crap the last three games of the season, and you know the one seed does wonders, right? Especially now that there's only one buy. Um, I think that they've turned around. I think Sirianni is terrific. Um, there's a little bit of concern I have with Gannon and Steichen having head coaching opportunities and maybe not being as focused, but um, that's probably noise. Um, and I like teams that percolate below the surface in, in December and January because that you know they're not peaking too early. I think teams like Cincinnati and Buffalo probably peaked a little too early, and much like Kansas City last year, where they started three and four, fought like hell to get to 12 and five, play an amazing playoff game against the Bills and have no gas left in the second half against Cincinnati in the AFC title game. Uh, that's kind of how I see this Bengals team. That's kind of how I see this Bills team. So I think in the in the AFC, Kansas City started out, I mean, their first, I believe, nine opponents all had winning records the previous year. Um, they had a really tough go of it. Once they beat the Chargers um, in Los Angeles, the, the schedule got really easy. They basically only played Seattle as a playoff team down the stretch. And, you know, Chiefs fans are a little angry at how they won those games. But the fact of the matter is, is they, their offense continued uh, to churn, and the net you know, yards per play yeah, it was really big, even in games where they went to overtime with Houston. So I think the Chiefs have it all fundamentally well. They, they got rid of Tyreek Hill, and their wide receivers averaged one more yard per target this year than they did last year. They're, they're I think, as resilient as possible, and them getting the buys, however lucky that was, um, I think it'll really help here. We just found the announcement that they will play the AFC title game in Atlanta if it ends up being the Bills versus the Chiefs. I think that's a very uh, you know good thing for Kansas City.
0: I won't fight you on Kansas City, and you and I have talked about this both on the air and off the air. I have bet Kansas City pre-flop for the last four years, and I usually find myself in a pretty good situation. This year I was able to get 575 or 6-1. to All the Buffalo love kind of pushed them out a bit, so I've got my own personal ticket on KC. I'm not going to fight you on that. I, I tend to disagree a little bit though with Cincinnati. This Burrow kid, man, when you go back to the last stretch run at LSU, you go back to last January, February, he was just a different player. I'm not going to compare him to anybody, but he's a killer. And and I look at a team that's won eight in a row, that's hard to do in the NFL. Now, it doesn't translate into postseason success, but when I look at the board, I just, mathematically speaking, I can't make sense of Kansas City and Buffalo put so close together on the board and then I can get Cincinnati nine to one to win the Super Bowl. Like I don't, I don't think the gap is that big between those three. You do?
1: No, I think two two or three weeks ago, I said that the Bengals were uh, the the best team in the AFC going. But my my handicap is that like I just think that they'll run out of gas, you know. Okay. And I think Burrow, Burrow is you know tremendous. Burrow it was second team at my old employer PFF an All Pro quarterback. He was first team last year in Collins All Pro maybe a little bit of Bengals bias there, but like I, I do, Burrow's amazing. And, and in fact, they match up incredibly well with Kansas City. Um, they beat them three consecutive times. I think it's really hard, um, you know, for Kansas City to match with them. Uh, the Bills, I mean, what these numbers indicate, right? And the, uh, You know, the, the Futures are just saying that they believe that the power ratings in the AFC are Buffalo, Kansas City, and Cincinnati, right? They, that, and the fact that the Chiefs have one fewer game and the, the the Bengals have to go on the road twice if they want to win the Super Bowl, that that's really what this is indicating i don't think the gap is that big like i i you know cincinnati was what one and a half point dogs when they were at home against buffalo just two weeks ago in the damara hamlin game um i think if you add you know so that means probably buffalo i think buffalo's three points better on a neutral so maybe it's four and a half in the afc title game uh maybe five if you count more home field for buffalo uh if those two are facing each other in divisional round i'm sorry that then you know, five to me I would take Cincinnati uh, and I would bet them pretty heavily in that case.
0: Yeah, and of course forecasting lines going into wild card round, these lines could change as we get deeper in the playoffs, especially if say Cincy comes out and rolls Baltimore 35-7. It's possible given that it's Tyler Huntley and likely not Lamar Jackson. But I was texting with Ed Sammons about this because when we found out that Lamar was likely out, I said, look, Ed, I'm betting Cincy right now. I'm adding it to my portfolio, if you will, 9-to-1. And he said, Sammy, you got to money line it over. Roll it through. And he went through the numbers. He makes, obviously, Cincy at this point was a a 7.5-point favorite. He's got Cincy getting 3.5 against Buffalo and KC, And then Ed's got since he favored against Philly or San Fran by like two, two and a half. So his math on the rollover is about 14 and a quarter to one, which is higher than nine to one. But I know some people, Eric, they get scared and intimidated by that first game because you're laying 360, 380. And they just they don't want to do the money line rollover. But clearly from nine to one to 14 to one, that's a big difference.
1: 100% 100% and I think like there are situations where the money buy and rollover doesn't make sense but usually that's going to be when the like in some cases when that first game is way too expensive right and you know oftentimes now these books are pretty good now I know Ted Knutson was on uh, you know uh, it was a Kevin Cole's podcast recently a friend of ours and he was talking about how there used to be such discrepancies in these derivative market markets who are derivatives of each other um, that's closed up a little bit but where you can get some value possibly is if you know the 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 main market the, the the market setting market moves too quickly and then the 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 futures market is slow to react. Uh, that that is the case where I think you want to look at a future relative to a, a uh, moneyline rollover. But most of the time, and, and it's exactly what you said, uh, Sam. It's like the, somebody doesn't want to lay three hundred uh, to win one hundred in the first round. That's the big thing, right? And. Um, if you can get over that, and, and I think that that is, you know, one of the things of, you know, the, the process of being a sharp better is knowing that there are minus 300 bets that have value, <laughs> you know, and a lot of people don't want to take them, but they do exist for sure. Um, they sting harder when they lose, but there are ones with value. Um, if you do that, then, you know, the Moneyline rollover is oftentimes a really uh, advantageous play.
0: Would you rather bet Travis Kelsey, Super Bowl MVP, at 40 to 1, or Jarek McKinnon? I can find a hundred to one right now. You like Kansas City, you bet these numbers now, man, they're going to be a lot lower assuming they make a run.
1: Well, given how, you know, I, Kelsey's one of my favorite players of all time. So, you know, and then, but at the same time, like you look at how the Chiefs offense has changed. They have 12 receiving touchdowns by the running backs. Um, The last time they were, the last time they were this good offensively was in 2018. They had 12 catch receiving touchdowns by the running backs. Um, McKinnon has changed the complexion of their offense. You know, we have not seen as good a play out of Marquez, Valdez, Scanlon, or Juju Smith-Schuster as I think Chiefs fans expected. And yet the offense is as good or better than last year. And it's because Jarek McKinnon has been such that 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 pacifier player for Mahomes. Um, we, we've seen it before, though. I mean, uh, I go back to the Brady Super Bowls. Kevin Falk was was Jarek McKinnon for Brady. Um, you know, Shane Vereen had like 11 catches uh, in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks and they came from behind. Brady still won the MVP. James White had a game for the ages against the Falcons when they came back. From Dude, yeah, and, and, Brady, and Brady still got the MVP. So as much as I like the McKinnon one, I don't think he has a chance to win it because I think if he does win it, Mahomes is going to put up such insane numbers because he's not a guy on the ground. right? He's a, just through the air. So every yard he gets is going to be correlated with what Mahomes gets. So it, to me, it's, it's, it's Kelsey, but even then, like it's still hard for me because I just don't see a Super Bowl win where it's not Mahomes who's the MVP for the Chiefs.
0: I had a buddy who had, I want to say, a hundred bucks on James White at one hundred and twenty-five to one. He had three touchdowns and God. he scored the game-winning conversion. My buddy was like, "What the
1: fuck, man? How does that Embrane? not win?" And Brady threw a pick six, and, like, it was mostly awful the whole game until the end. And the same thing's true, like, if you look at Chiefs, Damian Williams in the Super Bowl against the Niners had over 100 yards rushing, had two touchdowns, had the game-winning touchdown, had the game-clinching touchdown uh, at the end there. And they gave it to Mahomes, who had thrown two interceptions, and it had mostly been jittery most of that game. So I know we had – I know we had Cup last year. I think it's different, though, right? I think when a quarterback is in that Rodgers, Mahomes, Brady tier – You're going to give it to him if he wins the game, whereas Stafford is a tier or two below, and so they they opened up the conversation to Cup last year.
0: All right, I'm going to get you out of here with your favorite bet for this weekend. You already talked about a couple things that you like. You're looking at the total in New York, Minnesota over. You also discussed teasing up Jacksonville and Tampa, but is there a favorite play that you have wildcard weekend?
1: Yeah, I, I do like the Giants getting three. Uh, it might just be me growing up in Minnesota and knowing what's possible. Um, <laughs> the, the Giants and Vikings played a lot of playoff games in the past, uh, which was uh, during my childhood, which was pretty fun. Um, but they were always close, uh, except for the one the Giants beat the Vikings 41 nothing in the NFC title game. So I'm going to go with the with Giants getting three here. And I'll see you in Boston when? Uh, the beginning of March, man. I can't wait.
0: Oh, are you going to bring Cole again? We should probably leave him at home this time.
1: Well, I think nature will figure that one out.
0: Okay. All right. That's our buddy Eric Eager. Please follow on Twitter at EricEager underscore. He's the VP of R&D at Sumer Sports. Keep fighting the good fight, man, and I will talk to you soon.
1: Thanks for having me on, Sam. Take care.
0: That about does it for Chicken Dinner. Thanks to Eric Eager for hopping on the program. We're down a little bit in football, 3.3 units. We got four in the hopper, including the Bengals' future. Make that five. So Seattle, San Francisco, under in the game, under in the first half. Vikings minus three, even money. Buccaneers plus two and a half. And I did put out Cincinnati to win the Super Bowl at plus 850. But as you just heard, you get a better bang for your buck if you roll over the money line. Coming up on the show, we'll talk to Nick Costos, my buddy, and the very energetic host of You Better You Bet. He also founded the term wagertainment as we dive inside the divisional round next week on the show cash up tickets make some money we'll talk to you next time right here on Chicken Dinner broken dreams held together with glue I gotta keep
1: on trying till that day comes true I know that all my life I've been tired and blue but still I keep on fighting I got too many things left to do you see my breath told me so you man